0: Last time on let me tell you about Homestuck, the alpha kids fully give themselves over to the chaos of trickster mode. Only for Andreas to roll back the axe and speed up the plot, he and Caliborn get into a long argument of whether solving all of someone's problems for them actually solves anything. Meanwhile, the alpha kids work on their own problems as they get over their sugar high on the moons of Durst and Prospit. Jade worries she's fucked up her relationship with everyone but Dirk. Jake's worried about the same thing, just swap out Dirk for Roxy. Roxy worries that she let down Dirk when she fell off the wagon, and that he secretly hates her for all the years of hinting on him. Dirk's all caught up in his own self-loathing thing, and feels bad that he couldn't be the boyfriend Roxy needed. Uh, Just as breakthroughs are being made, Jack Noir breaks out of jail, with some help from Lord English, of course, and the moons are blown up. The alpha kids go god tier, and Jake finally gets his short shorts. John and Jade arrive, and she shows up to teleport Jack Noir off the session. After afterward, she's controlled by the condosy, and goes Grimbark. She uses her powers to get Jane under the Constance's control and they teleport Dirk out and capture the other two alphas.
1: Uh, yeah, Act Six, Intermission Five. Um, I'll take Carcat. You take Dave. Okay, you, unless got you it.
0: Unless you have a, <laughs> nope. Yep.
1: Uh, so the meteor is almost at Skaya. Yes, at the new Skaya. At the new Skaya, I guess is what they're representing here. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Dave, are you there? Next. Come
1: in, Dave. Next. This is Carcat. Over. They have... Crab Communicator watches. It's so good! Fuck! <laughs> Amazing!
0: And like the, it's like snapping a bit, and it's like, Mm-mm. God! Next. Answer me, you jack-off. Don't be all like, you're too busy to pick up. What are you trying to kid? You're literally... You're quite possibly the only person on this media who's got even less on your... Less on his nutrition plateau than me. Even the mayor has a more demanding schedule than we do. Let's face the fucking facts. Wait. What? Do you think Canton runs itself? Fat chance. Dave? God damn it, Dave. I have a problem. No. We have a problem. Next. Sky is now visible to naked eye. We can't be much more than a few hours away. This is it. This is what we've been waiting for. They're the longest human years we'll ever ought to live for the rest of our lives. Sunk into this depressing laboratory which by all accounts should have never functioned as anything but our eternal tomb. I have no idea we're even supposed to stop this thing, do you? Or oh well, seeing it, blasting off somewhere at the speed of light sure seem like a good idea at the time! And now that we're finally here, after all the waiting and drama and boredom and stupid bullshit with our ancestral ghosts and even disregarding the one hilarious neglected detail that this meteor has no fucking breaks, I still don't think we're ready for this.
1: God.
0: <sighs> yeah, they're just like, <laughs> fuck.
1: Did, did 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 Solix tell you how to stop this thing?
0: Nope. Sol no, Solix was like... No, dude.
1: No. No, he just died and left. <laughs>
0: He's like, later.
1: God. Ah. <sighs> Look at that cute Aww. little car cat! Look at that cute car cat. Next. I
0: don't. How do I even begin to address this shit? Okay, how about this? Since I can't think of general purpose question, I help break the ice in literally any imaginable social situation. Next. We got some Fago in a horn.
1: A, what kind of Fago is this? It is. Red, Red Pop. Pop. Okay, yeah, next. <laughs> Where are your fucking pants?
0: <sighs> oh
1: my god.
0: It's Terezi and she is... Sleeping,
1: um... half naked, uh, wrapped up in her dragon cape, drinking a bunch of fago. Yep. Yeah. Uh those uh boxers you can buy. Yes, I have seen those.
0: Amazing. Yeah, they're got pyro spikes on them. Yep. God, it's so good.
1: Uh next. My pants. What are you talking about? They're on my legs. I wasn't talking to you. Oh.
0: Dave, we have a problem here. What? I think it's time we had a, what did you call it? An intervention. For Rose? No, not Rose. Why are we talking about Rose? She doesn't have a major problem that she needs to be confronted about our oh, friend before she flushes her whole life down the gaper, does she? Uh, yeah, kinda. Why? Because she likes to drink that goofy human support Rick, that makes her a lot funner and more charming than usual. How is that a problem?
1: I was talking about Terezi. Man, Terezi doesn't need an intervention. She drinks a lot of soda. How can you not see that as a huge fucking problem? It's red fizzy shit water, dude. Who cares? Okay, can we just once acknowledge
0: that we are mutual aliens to each other and as such have different values and
1: standards about things? Just this one time, Dave. Thanks. Terezi's made her choices. Among them was to be guzzling untold leaders of that putrid circus cola. Think of it as a uh, rite of passage. Like something that just goes with the territory when someone you know almost imperceptibly begins turning into a juggalo. Wait, fuck, maybe she does need an intervention. She needs to wake up so I can talk to her about this. She won't wake up. What do I do? Did you try kicking her? Yes. I'm out of ideas. (sighs) (laughs) I'm (laughs) Dave,
0: like. No, she's like. She's turning into a juggalo. Wait, shit. And...
2: <laughs> oh,
0: God. Also, it seems like Rose maybe still has a problem. Oh God, she's drinking a lot, huh? Yeah. Fuck.
1: <sighs> Next.
0: Well, whenever she wakes up, we all need to have a serious talk about this. If she's in this condition when we get to the news session, it'll be a goddamn embarrassment. Not to mention Deadly. Near mind you who's still following us. She doesn't look pride for battle for where I'm standing. We need to act as a unified front, Dave. We need to let her
1: know that as her friend, we can't stand by and watch her degrade herself like this. Man, I don't know. Sounds like you want to make this needlessly melodramatic. Stand by. I'm putting you on speaker crab. Speaker crab? Yes, speaker crab. Man, don't put me on speaker crab. She needs to hear from you, Dave. She trusts you. God, honestly, she could do whatever she wants. I put this all behind me a while ago. Why do you really want me on this conversation? Is it just that you don't know what to say by yourself?
0: Maybe it is, Dave. Maybe that's exactly what it fucking is. I'm sorry. I'm not a god here. I'm not so fortunate to be blessed with the gift of gab like you. What? That badger. You know, the one that makes it easier to talk to people? Like, really open up about your feelings and say whatever needs to be said?
1: <laughs> that's what you think it does? Isn't it? No, dude. That's not what the gift of gab does. Okay, what does it do, wise guy? Its utility isn't really comprehensible to lowly mortals. Sorry. You snide shoot Why don't
0: you come up here so I can push you off this building? Nah. I'm putting you on speaker crap, and then together we are going to keep it real as shit. Do you hear me? Oh my fucking god. God, I missed you too so much.
1: So much. Next. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Carcat took the crab off of his arm. The crab is on the ground dancing around, and there's a projection at Dave's head. Yeah, it's the best. It's amazing. What do you really want from her? You want her to stop drinking fago and falling asleep in puddles of red fructose corn slobber? Or do you want her to show. Uh, or do you want her to somehow address the root of those habits and cut that all out for good?
0: Yes, I wanted to do that. The latter thing. thing.
1: Yeah, I can understand where you're coming from, but in situations like this, I think you need to remind yourself there's only so much you can do for somebody, and maybe they aren't going to want or need your help, and you just have to figure out how to deal with that. Like at some point in your life, one of your friends might start spending all their time with a guy you think is bad news, and you have to decide if you need to intervene as a friend or just let it go because people could change or drift apart or whatever because that's just something that happens. Dave, your wisdom, my God, it's knocking my socks off. Holy shit! Please tell me the secret of
0: your wise ways. And while you're at it, maybe you
1: could tell me what the fuck you're talking about. Look, all I'm saying is there comes a time in every young woman's life when she has to come to terms with the decision to gradually morph into a juggalo while all her friends and loved ones watch in dismay. Trezzy has strolled through the dark carnival and taken a great brooding whiff of that decision's festive asshole and the choice she has made is all too clear. She's down with the clown. No, don't say that. It's true, man. You can't live in denial for only so long. But as your bro, I have to say it like it is. She and Gamzee, man. That is literally a thing. They are in the hate square together. Total Kisma spades, dude. Nope, that's not what I mean. I mean, I know that. Just, why do you have to put everything so
0: colorfully? I guess I'd do the same thing. But you always seem to take things to a different level of gross. Just please say shit normally for a change, okay? Cardi Gamzee, yeah, I knew about that already.
1: Oh, Really? The fuck have I been tiptoeing around all this time? God damn. That was supposed to be like this big secret that would destroy you if you found out. Motherfucker, please. Do you think I'm an idiot? I suspected this was going on for a long time. I'm just being
0: like you. Playing it cool. Linger, do whatever. Then why is it a problem now? This is the last straw. Supposed to be ready for action by now. Not comatose, half naked, and phago sticky. God, I wonder what sort of bullshit he's got to believe in now like the mirthful messiahs and Shangri-La and all that garbage. It's so sad to think she's caught up in his superstition web of lies. i watching the person he used to know slowly tripped away from me to the point where she might as well be gone. How did he manage to deal with that?
1: What? You and she used to see each other all the time. What happened? Like I said, I just put it behind me. She started sneaking around events and stuff, acting suspicious, trying to hide the fact that she was seeing him. Like she was obviously ashamed of it and worried how I'd react. But it was hella transparent that was going on. So I just said, that's fine. Y'all could do your Black Rom thing with the Juggalo. It's your decision. But I can't keep playing along. I can't do the th- the Quadra thing. It's just too weird for me. Not a troll. I'm not all open-minded about getting multicultural. I still don't understand the spades thing. And it makes me really fucking uncomfortable. Even trying to imagine how that works. I sure as fuck don't want to date anybody who's got a hate clown on the side. So I said, no hard feelings. Still like you at all. Do whatever makes you happy. I'll just be over here in the hyper-gravity chamber trained to beat Lord English. We have a hyper
3: gravity chamber?
1: No. Oh. Well, what about you? Haven't, see- haven't you been talking to Gamzee this whole time? Where she just balls out, lying to you, sneaking around, meteor with Terezi. I thought more supposed to be open with each other about stuff like that.
0: Yeah, um, Gamzee ended our More Legions quite some time ago.
1: Oh, shit. Sorry to hear about that.
0: It's fine. It's really a dead end, pale relationship. At first, it really seemed like I was a necessary part of his life. Came to shut our control. But as time went on, he just got completely disinterested and wasn't keeping up with his end of the end at all. He started getting so unbelievably self-satisfied and pious. Like, way more than he ever was before. He's just so completely convinced he'd found his calling. That this session is his gateway to the promised land will help fulfill his destiny. He's so caught up in his idiotic screams he schemes, he couldn't give a fuck about me anymore. Whatever. At least he stopped killing
1: people. Amazing. Spent three years on this rock and never said one thing to the guy. Saw him once, though. Just a glimpse in a dark hallway. It's kind of like seeing a blurry purple Bigfoot with a huge boner. Oh,
0: God, that fucking goddamn outfit. What a fucking faker. Can't for the life of me imagine where he got that thing. I know can sure assure as hell didn't make it from him. That man literally has no shame. Why is he wearing it? I don't know. I don't think he knows. He made a good impression on his fake-ass religious idol after... He thrust his sacred cockpit through the gates of Shangri-La.
1: <laughs> the best thing we ever do together is slam this asshole's dumb religion. Yeah. Really, it's the most hilarious fucking horseshit I've ever heard. I mean, pretty much all religions are wrong, but there's a wrong and then there's a wrong. There's zero chance you are ever proven right about even a single thing, dude. Ever, ever, ever. That's <laughs> so true. I watched get the look on his face when he finally realizes everything he believes in is a lie. Be one sad clown that day. These bulge will probably deflate and make this high-pitched noise plus corresponding flatulence.
0: Hey, Dave. Anything will happen to us after we meet up with the others. I mean, as friends. What do you
1: mean, as friends? I mean, will we still get to be bros. Uh, yeah. No offense, dog, but that's a dumb and neurotic question. No, but see, we're going to meet all these other people. John among them. And John
0: is your best friend. You, so you will steadily resume that friendship where you left off. And John and I had a few testy conversations with each other one day, and, and most of those I made a fool of myself. And I guess we became friends that day, maybe. But the reality is, it was just one day, and he'd be well-than-reveled frame of mind not to give a cr- crap in hindsight about the guy who trolled him once three years ago. And the same goes for Jade. I thought we had a decent rapport, and, but again, it was one day forever ago. Probably barely with me at this point. Right, so that doesn't matter for you, because you go way back with them. This is like a fucking heartfelt reunion for you guys. But where does that leave me? I can hardly call Gamzee a friend anymore. Who knows if my friendship with Terezi will ever be what it was before. I used to be pretty close to Kanaya, but now she and Rose never leave each other alone for more than a fucking minute. All the other friends are dead,
1: and now we're leaving the dream bubbles behind. And then there's you. So. I'm just wondering what happens next. You forgot the mayor. Pretty damn tight with a mayor, aren't you?
0: The mayor's friendship is a universal constant, and I am insulted beyond comprehension, as
1: well my capacity to vomit that you would insinuate otherwise. Yeah, the mayor rules. But, as usual, you are overcomplicating this, just like you overcomplicate everything. Friendship, leadership, romance, shipping grids and dick battles. It's real simple. Our meteor will somehow Tokyo drift to a dead stop in the new session at which points we'll keep being bros for life or something. I will start being friends with John and Jade again because they are my friends and never stop being that. John will also be your friend because he's cool and also a doofus who's easy to be friends with. Jade will be your friend too because she's nice and likes being friends with people. I can personally guarantee that she will be happy to see you. And as for the new people, I don't know about them, but they'll probably be your friends too. All I know is two of them are her parents and two of them are John's parents and Ain't No Rule says you can't be friends with your bro's mom and pop, especially when your bro's mom and pop are a couple sassy teens. It's for Terezi. I don't know. I guess we'll see what happens. And as for Gamzee, fuck that guy with a balloon podal. Friendship is secured. The end. Uh-oh. Look, he's trying to come around. Oh, boy.
0: Man, they're good friends. That's They're good friends. Like, that honestly is, like, super nice. <laughs> they turned it around. Well, yeah, first there's, like... Car, uh,
1: Karkat going like the mayor's friendship is the best Don't fucking <laughs> <laughs> listen, Don't fucking doubt the mayor Don't you fucking do it They uh, also like
4: Karkat going like Man like,
1: am I going to have friends after this Yeah are we Are we still going to be cool Because I don't know how this fucking works You guys are weird And Dave's like no just fucking listen to me
4: Yeah just like, roll
0: you're with it co- it's going to be like, cool We're cool John's cool Jade's cool Rose is pretty cool We're going to do this we're going to be best yeah, bros we're gonna for life be cool yeah. Next. Wake up, sleepyhead. Honk, honk, honk. Yeah, that's right. Then the face the fucking music. God.
1: Man, we're getting into some shit, though. Yeah, we're going to be getting into some real shit here. This is, like... We are closing in on Endgame. Yeah, we're getting, we're getting close. I mean, we're 2,000 pages out, but we're getting close. Yes,
0: like they. We are going to start, you know, because now everyone is in the session. We are going to start lining up these. Uh, these we pieces. We have a bunch of
1: plots that are starting to come together. Yeah. Uh, rather than being on the waiting side.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. We still have a whole other half of this with the ghosts that still needs to be taken care of. Um. To figure out what they're actually doing. Like, search for Calliope ain't over. Yep. Um, search for Vriska's weapon, not over. Um, but they're finally showing up in the new session. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Messed know, up. We're, we're,
1: yeah, it's happening. It's, it's crazy to think that we actually got to this part. <laughs> because it took so fucking long. Man. What a cool moment immediately ruined by, like, Jade getting mind-controlled. Fucked up. Fucked up. I can hear Pris out there laughing at me.
0: Let me tell you about Homestuck I'm Ashley
1: I'm Molly It's Homestuck man, It's Homestuck um, Man some shit went down huh Yeah some shit went down It's been like what two days Since we yeah. last read Homestuck uh, I couldn't leave this one Just I no. gotta get back into it mm-hmm.
0: Yeah we, we just saw uh, Terezi uh, wake up from being passed out on the roof with a bunch of Fago. Yeah, and a pile of Fago. A pile of Fago and horns, half naked.
1: It's amazing.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, uh, Karkat has a crab. Karkat has a crab watch. Uh, yeah. He and Dave are best friends. Yeah, it's adorable. It's the best. Uh, Dirk is out beyond the furthest ring.
0: Yeah, but also bad stuff happens Also
1: a lot of bad things happened Like a lot of bad things happened Uh, Jake and Roxy got captured By Jade and Jane Who are now uh, working for the Condesy The the deadliest tag team in (laughs) The deadliest tag team in Homestuck history Um, Yeah, so they're I, I don't know what the fuck But Dirk is like out of the fucking picture For a good minute here uh, John is missing in action because Jade went and teleported to save uh, Jane and Jake Yeah. Uh, as soon as she could. Uh, which, good job, I guess, except for the part where you got mind-controlled. That that was less good. But uh, really, this, not, not on Jade.
0: Yep. Yeah, this session's Jack Noir has gone all Lord English crazy.
1: Yes, and he's been put out to the furthest string as well. So Dirk either has to deal with that or he will show up at the same time as the other one. Mm-hmm. Um, unless some bullshit happens, which probably come on, <laughs> come on, come on, come on. Um, but other, like we read, I feel like we read quite a bit without much happening, except for kids talking to each other and dealing with their problems. Yeah. We had a lot of kids dealing with problems, a lot of just like expositional stuff.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, it was very good, especially after trickster mode, which was so bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do we want to just, do you want to get back in there? Start recording this? Yeah. Uh, All
0: right, And I, I will say that this is, we are now, the next command we are starting to go down a dark hole in Homestuck. Not in, I mean, like, it's going to be bad. I just mean that we now are in an intermission of an intermission.
1: <laughs> yeah, this, yeah, I know that it picks, that it does this for, like, the rest of the comic. So, uh, that's that is the one thing I know for the rest of the comic is that it just kept getting split further. Um, but yeah act six intermission five intermission one though
0: no, it's uh Calibon. he's got a, a little cow top that's weird and <laughs> he's bonking his own head uh and also he's got members of the
1: felt yep he's they're here with him uh let's see that's itchy and what, what was two um dose Duh. It was fucking does. Yeah.
0: Um, oh, and uh-oh. also because people. People will not remember this by the time this comes out, but we we did find out later that Ichi was a pun on the Japanese Ichi, which is meaningful. Oh mean my foreign. god.
1: Yeah, this is. <laughs> They're going to hear that a year later, Ashley. I know. It's been a year. <laughs> oh my god. We record at a weird pace. Mm hmm. Um. I'll take Caliborn. Okay. Um man, I feel like I lost that voice. I might need a minute. Mm. Take a drink. I did. I don't know if that's going to save me here. I, I it's heard just it, yeah. it's just my um my brain is not in like getting to Caliborn. It's weird. I don't know how to th- voice acting's weird, Ashley. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Okay, one sec.
3: Hey, you computer man, I need more help. No. Nah. Computer man, assist me with more hot tips. No. Yes. I'm having trouble understanding Blue Hat.
0: This is a shameful exploitation of our arrangement. You weren't supposed to talk anymore once you left Earth.
3: I did not agree to those terms.
0: Every time we talk, you complain that I'm being self-indulgent. But you always come back for more. It's like you can't get enough of me. I think you might be obsessed.
3: Give me more hot tips, asshole.
0: You only made the cow top so you could talk to me on the go, didn't you? No. Please don't lie. What, I don't, who else would you use it to talk to in the, your solo session? Gamsy? I bet you haven't said one word to him through the device, you can never refer to him by
3: his name. The clown has been an adequate peon. When it comes to doing things I don't want to do, there is no reason to speak to him through my fun helmet.
0: You should try to be better friends with him. He basically just his best buddy for you. Who cares? He reveres you, and you treat him like shit.
3: Yes. So? So... You're off to a pretty good start at being a god, I guess. Thank you. Look, I just set up a light thing. Now reward me with what I want. Uh, Yellow Hat is very fast. As a minion he has been very useful. But I am having trouble determining the abilities of Blue Hat. Yellow Hat and Blue Hat?
0: You should come up with better names than that. Like what? I
3: don't know. Maybe some cool mobster names. Mobster names? Why would I give them mobster names? Because mobster names are cool. They don't look like mobsters. They look like fucking leprechauns.
0: Anyone Anyone can be a mobster, though. Even cherubs and leprechauns. Being a mobster isn't about what you look like. It's about what's inside
3: you. Wow. That is so profound. Now stop stalling and give me tips. Are these the only two you've unlocked so far? Yes. I have conquered the second planet. I have now traveled to the third. Before I conquer this one, I would like to know what Blue Hat does.
0: He's pretty much doing what he does. He seems to be stuck.
3: Is he broken? No.
0: No. He's just slow. What? That's his power. Yellow
3: hat is fast, blue hat's slow. That's a horrible power. How is that even a power? It just is. Ugh. I was looking forward to achieving more powerful minions. Not more malingering fools to take up space in my dark carnival. Do they get better than this?
0: That depends on what you mean by better. Oh my
3: god. Okay, we're done. Bye.
0: Yeah, so apparently he's unlocking these. Uh, he's getting the felt. Yeah, he's getting the felt together for. Getting
1: the first boys part. together. The boys
0: are back in town. <laughs> the boys
1: are back. Uh, end of Act 6, Intermission 5, Intermission 1. Ah, boy, well, we did it. <laughs> we did it. We made it through that. That was a toughie. Uh, and this is Jake's land. Jake's land, and we're seeing the ship. Yeah, the ship that Jade was piloting that has now crashed. It looks like, or eh, just appeared could have there. Landed. Yeah, could have been landed, and then Jade just left. Yeah. Uh Next.
0: Oh, it's a. Uh, we're seeing Nana and Jasper, right?
1: Yeah. But uh, Dave's talking. Wake up, sleepyhead. Wait, why did I even say that? Stay asleep all you want. Like I give a fuck. God, Dave. Next. But you are kind of missing some important shit here. We spent three full relativistic years cruising through the metaphysical ass crack of nowhere. And when we finally get here, you're all tuckered out. Like y'all didn't sleep enough on this boat already. Some of the sick, nasty shit I and whatever got out of this freaking boat. Dude, this is a big deal. Everyone's waiting for us out there. I mean, Probably. I don't know where we are. Some green hilly place with all those stone henges sprinkled around. Did you know look at be a plurality of stone henges? I didn't, but guess fucking what? Henges are plenty where this place is concerned. Hey, where's Jade? <laughs> where is Jade? Yeah. Dave?
0: And also, just a, a constant through all Daves. Just constantly talking to himself.
1: Yep. <laughs> uh, there's a fucking saw doll behind Dave Sprite. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, think I think this is it's probably here for a while.
0: F- yeah, I think this is from uh it looks to be like stuff from all of their houses.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they so probably that- just move stuff in, make it more cozy. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh next. It's got the fridge from uh like Dave's place.
1: Yeah. And a bunch of fucking art on the wall. There's a picture yeah. of Sawtooth, which is weird. Is that what the name was? Sawtooth?
0: Um, that's Square Wave.
1: Square and Wave. That was uh, in uh, Dave's apartment. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, next. I guess she left already? Maybe there's some emergency somewhere in her doggy senses letter there? Maybe someone fell down a well? What do you think, John? Do you think our teen parents fell down a well? Nah, I sincerely doubt that any of them would be that pathetic. Whatever it is, it must have been important enough for Jade to ditch us like this. Either that, or maybe she was that desperate to finally get away from me. Between you and me, John, I didn't really handle things with her as well as I could've. Oh well, maybe real Dave will treat her better. Or not, I don't know. I did her a favor of cutting Bird Dave out of her life. Nobody really deserves Bird Dave as a boyfriend or a friend or anything like that. It's like, get one of those janky Daves from the bargain bin at Dave Depot. One of the markdown Daves the day after National Dave Day. It's like somebody taxidermied your Dave and expected you not to notice. Feathers? What feathers? <laughs> no, that Dave is totally normal and okay. You should just go back to being bros with Real drive when you see him. I'll be fine. I'll just flap around and do my thing alone. I'm completely alright with that at this point. We had our up and down, John, but all in all, it was cool to go on this road trip with you. There were some times, man. The times. I'm telling you, they were unreal. I bet you people would pay good money to see every second of the madcap stunts that were going down on this ship basically 24-7. If holes could talk, wow. <laughs> just joking, it was seriously boring as hell. But, I mean, it was still cool, so, yeah. Hey, what's with that ring, anyway? I've seen you with that ring before, and I guess I was just like, okay, John has a magic ring for some reason. No need to mention that or anything. But where did you even get it? You can't even hear me. You got your snooze on so hard. Ain't gonna wake you up to house you about no ring. I probably should have said all this stuff when you were awake anyway. Like the stuff about friendship. Now, fuck it, I'll just leave another one of my patented magic notes taped to your shoe or your cowlick or something. My magic notes rule, I miss leaving them taped on stuff. (laughs) God, Dave. Poor Dave Sprite. Yeah, like, like I'm a fucking bargain bin Dave, I'm not even the real Dave. Yeah. Poor kid. Uh, next. Sure do talk to myself a lot, don't I? Wow, why have I never made this observation? Probably needed to be a bird for exactly three years to have that epiphany. What if real Dave ever had that epiphany? Probably not, because he's not a bird. The bottom line is being a guy who's also a bird makes you think. Anyway, I'm out. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> Next. There he goes. There are so many Watermark Daves in the background. Yeah, I think the one in the center is a cosplay. Oh, that's pretty good. P.S. Happy birthday, John. I have some watermarks for the road. Deuces. (laughs) (laughs) Just gonna fly off into the sky, be a piece of shit somewhere. Yeah. Uh, Act 6, intermission 5, intermission 2. Is this just every scene he's gonna do this? (laughs) Kind of. Is that what this is? Kind of. God.
0: Uh, but now he has uh, He has Clover And uh, Trace And Trace Yeah because we can he see his pass
1: trail Apparently Doz and Gamzee are hanging out And he is Gunning down some consorts Yep yeah. Because he's a jerk Because <laughs> he's a jerk And uh, Clover and
0: uh, uh, Little Sebastian is Are dancing together
3: Yeah I unlocked more gnomes. I thought they were leprechauns. I don't care what they are. Okay. I have now conquered four planets and have the same amount of gnomes under my command. Yellow Hat, Blue Hat, Red Hat, and now Purple Hat.
0: Congratulations.
3: The planets are becoming increasingly difficult to conquer. I almost did not manage to destroy the purple planet within the allotted time. Unfortunately, the quality of unlocked gnomes has not increased to match the escalating difficulty of my quest. What's wrong with the new gnomes? Okay, Red Hat, he has no fucking powers at all. and his power is to follow me around constantly. Yes, that's basically what he does. Purple Hat is even worse. Is his power to dance around all the time while singing riddles to me? Yes. Awful. Purple Hat's behavior is so infuriating. I've attempted to murder him several times, but to no avail. You can't kill Purple Hat. He's too lucky.
0: That's also his power, being really lucky. What good does that do me? I don't know. Again, solve puzzles for you, use them as a human shield sometimes. I mean a gnome shield. Oh yeah, that's actually a really good idea. You should be whining about how lame the minions are. As you accumulate more, your job is obviously to combine their talents and creative ways to overcome the increasingly difficult challenges on your quest. Synergize your time, gnomes. Make them more than
3: the sum of their pony hats. That's going to be difficult. They are all idiots. Nobody said it'd be easy. Fine, I have no more questions for now. Hey, did you kill that cute turtle? No. I can
0: see your past trail. You're standing there holding a gun and pointing at the turtle.
3: Okay, then yes, I killed the turtle. Boo!
1: <laughs> You're a really sound scolding hussy.
0: Yeah, just like Andrew says, like, I don't fucking care. Fucking this dumbass kid.
1: Yeah, you're gonna kill me someday. Yeah, oh well. End of act uh, six. Oh.
0: I, I was just thinking, like, man, it'd be like a platformer where you play as all the felt would be kind of
1: cool. Yeah. Isn't that super time force, though? Shit. <laughs> it's basically just super time force. Yeah. <laughs> uh, end of act six, intermission five, intermission two. Man, we're gunning through these today. Yeah, no, we're just gonna
0: get down the rest of these acts.
1: Uh, it's John. <laughs> John snoozing. Yeah. <sighs> Next.
0: Oh. Oh, we're seeing the uh, the cracks on the outer ring, and it looking he's, almost
1: complete. He's making a ring. Yeah. Yeah. That's weird. Next. Oh, we're zooming in on all the cracks and it's like an ocean. Oh, is this going to be Mindfang or something? Next. There's a ship down there. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, there's John. There's John. And there's a hand. Hey. And the bottom left part of this this panel is like a red sky and like the water is cascading into nothing. There's a waterfall going into like the void. The void. The void. Uh, There's a hand popping out of the waterfall. Avoid the void. Ashley. What? Never mind. Next. It's just good advice. (laughs) Unless you're Roxy. Mm -hmm. I'll be Mina. Okay. Because
0: I know you want to do (laughs) a Yup. Hey, it's the blue boy again. See him there just off the starboard shit. Yo, watch how far can
4: Fork him from. Mina, put the trident down. Don't make me confiscate it (laughs) again.
0: (laughs) Confiscate. God.
4: You're right, they're just
0: dating. Yeah, like they're just. (laughs) They're just dating. Next. Oh, there's a boat. Yeah, and it's got a, like, a Vrisca
4: skull symbol. Yep. Hey, it's John. Uh, Vrisca, is that you? Yeah, get over here. All right.
0: Oh, great. Oh Lord. <laughs> Next. But you were just saying how we were. I think last time we were just saying like, oh, we should get to the the dream stuff and all the the dead people and their quest. Yeah, gotta wrap that up. I mean, we do. And well, yeah. here it is. Uh, so. Vriska is dressed as her role playing character. Yep. Uh Mina's got like a like bandana on her head. That's it.
1: Otherwise she just looks normal.
0: Well she is already pretty nautical themed. That's true. Uh Tavros is just as pupa pan. Yep. And Arania is dressed up like Mindfang.
1: Yeah. Cause
0: she used to be Mindfang in a different al- right, in an alternate universe, yeah.
4: Nice to see you again, John. It's been too long. Yeah, actually, hasn't it been exactly a year. I think it's my birthday last time we met, too. <laughs> a year for you, maybe. Who even knows how long it's been out here, but who cares? The point is, as you can see, the plan I described to you before is in full swing. You mean the big treasure hunt
0: with all the black maps?
4: Yes, but they aren't black anymore, not totally. Everything's gone as I intended. English has taken the bait, hook, line, and sinker. He's been chasing our extended party around the ring, blowing shit up with his monster breath, thus revealing the path to the treasure in the process. I must say, for an evil mastermind, the guy is kind of a dope. Supposedly his every move is carefully calculated ploy to assure his existence in the first place, yet here he is, wrecking the joint like an oaf, unwittingly helping the hero find the weapon that will finally take him down. And we're almost here, too! Although by now it's become embarrassingly obvious that the treasure was hidden right around where we started all along, these maps have just been leading us all in a big stupid circle. I should have seen it coming. I guess that's my bad. In terms of bonehead moves, maybe that's English 1, Frisco 1, so I guess we're even. But maybe we don't even have to mention that detail when we document my heroism in the Annals of Greatness. Uh, mention what exactly? Exactly! (laughs) I almost forgot how deceptively quick you are on the uptake, John. That's not so impressive. I was confused by what you were saying, too. Tavros, if you're going to interrupt, don't mumble. And even then, don't? Anyway, I really don't mind the fact that these cryptic treasure maps have led us all on a wild hunkbird chase. I've never once complained about a good long treasure hunt, and I'm not about to start now. Besides, with the way space-time works out here, who could say for sure we would be able to find the treasure at all unless we trace this exact path? Nobody can say that, is who. Least of all English, who, as far as I know, can't actually speak so much as issue blood-curdling roars that cleave the foundations of reality itself. You're, of course, welcome to join us in our adventure for as long as you're asleep. We could use another hand on deck. I'll even give you a rank and title. You get to be lower than me. That's the fairest rule. Wrong. Tavros, who's the captain here? Last time I checked, it wasn't Swabby Nitrum, Poop Master Extraordinaire.
1: Oh. <laughs> oh, Tavros. Tavros. <laughs> He's trying so hard.
2: He's, He's still, still wearing socks
1: and sandals. Oh, This fucking douchebag. Next.
0: Oh, and a uh, Iranian Solix are there. Oh
1: my god, solux with a red <laughs> eye patch
0: and a blue <laughs> eye patch. Amazing. It's amazing. It's beautiful. It's great. <laughs> god fucking perfect. By the way, hi, Tavros. How you been? Okay. Cool pirate outfit you have there. No, thanks, but it's not cool. It's dumb. Risco wants me to wear it, though. So I do. So she'll be happy. Don't ask me where my pants are. I wasn't going to.
4: (laughs) We all look amazing as pirates. This is non-negotiable. No argument here.
0: How about the rest of the crew? I remember her, the punky one who always liked to stab me with her spear. I really hope she doesn't do that this time. Dream on, Nerd. You're my crosshair, sucker. Got you where I want. Spider my time. Biting and biting. Gonna hurt you till you double dead. My obsessive little blue fish. My the shrimpiest whales. My mobiest dicks. Call me Fishmail. Stop it. I don't know the one who looks kind of like your sister. What's her name? Arania. Hi. And what about those two over there? Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> they, they got a long story, but it's not actually also not important. <laughs> okay. Uh, Next no I just say like like oh don't worry John they're not
1: <laughs> oh yeah no don't worry about them <laughs> they've, they've been here the whole time but you don't need to know them uh but yeah that's that a
0: page of me talking to myself
1: <laughs> that was a page of you talking to yourself um let's see I'll take Solox.
0: I'll take a she doesn't yeah talk she a only lot.
1: yeah that's why yeah I'm gonna grab Solix. a only has a few lines here These are my
4: friends, Aradia and Solux. I have recruited them for this expedition as specialists. They aren't really here to do any fighting, but their abilities will become useful once we retrieve the treasure. Hello. Hey,
0: are you alive? Your eyes do not look spooky and ghostly. Thanks. Yes, I'm alive.
4: Yeah, and apparently she intends to stay that way. Hence her principled, if somewhat lame, commitment to pacifism. But considering our history together, I'm willing to let bygones be bygones. I'm happy to have her on my crew in whatever capacity she likes. Your history?
0: What happened? Wait, that's a rude question, sorry. Rizka killed her too. And used the other guy there, tragically, as the
4: death weapon. Hey, what did I say about bygones being bygones? That's like rule fucking one of this ship. Anyway, she became a robot and killed me back, so obviously we're cool now. Jeez, why does everyone
0: have to always die so much?
4: (laughs) Like this guy's one to talk.
0: Sellex, don't make our guests uncomfortable. He's already uncomfortable, and he should be. We all should be. Really, I haven't thought about any of this that in a long time. Ancient conflicts don't mean anything to me anymore, but... I was more than thrilled by the opportunity to go on another adventure like this. We used to enjoy such campaigns together all the time when we were younger. Of course, now the teams are a little different.
4: Yeah, man, those were the days.
0: What about you? Why do you have double blind? Uh, why do you have double eye patches?
4: Uh, because I'm blind, stupid. I can't
0: tell if you're alive too or not because I can't see if your eyes are spooky.
4: They're spooky as shit,
1: but yes, I'm alive. Okay, here's a short version. I used to be able to see, then I went blind, then I used my powers too hard, and died. But it turned out I was only half dead.
4: Half dead? Let me finish. So the ghost half of me could see again, though so I was only half blind, but then somebody prototyped my corpse, which I guess sucked the ghost half out of my body to make me fully alive again, also fully blind. And now the ghost part of my soul is sharing the sprite body with fucking Aridon of all people. Who's Harriton? Just the douche who blinded me in the first place, it doesn't even matter. Um,
0: alright, but I don't think it, I quite followed all that.
4: What does being half dead mean? You know, forget it. I'm so sick of telling
1: this story to people over and over, and nobody understanding what the hell I'm talking about. It's all so simple. No, actually it isn't, but it's a fucking stupid story that makes no sense, maybe that's the problem. My marginal existence is fraught with so much pointless duality and complicated nonsense so I'm
4: done even trying to explain it. From now on, I used to wear a shirt that says don't ask me about my disability or my mortality. Then everything would be fine." It's kind of a shame Gamzee prototyped to Eridan's torso parts and swiped his ghost from the afterlife. I bet he would have a great time on this voyage. I used to own him during our nautical campaigns all the time. If he was on this ship, I'd walk the plank and plummet through the fake-ass waters through the infinite nowhere forever. Besides, you act like you haven't already recruited at least 50 fucking Aridans from doomed timelines in your army. You really are thankfully prejudiced against our alternate reality ghost selves they are just as real as we are and have the same emotions and everything.
1: Give me a break,
4: Solix. As if you don't view them the exact same way. You've got real Aradin and then a pretty much a whole bunch of pretenders out there. They're all real. Shit, I don't even like Aradan, but here I am sticking up for one of his copies. See, you just called them copies. Even you can't avoid accidentally using a problematic slur which reveals that no matter what you believe about your morals, deep down you're always going to favor the original while viewing all the others as duplicates of lesser value. Oh, whatever. Just whatever. Rationalize the whole collateral damage to your army all you want. And to think, before I joined your party, I heard rumors that you might have changed, like learned to be a better person or something. (laughs) Yeah, right. Oh, please. I hardly think I'm a bad person for failing to give a shit about a million meaningless dead nepetas, do you? Oh, no. You're not a bad person for that particular reason, I guess. What am I seriously supposed to do? Fly around to befriend each one individually? Sorry, I have better things to do with my time. Let's try to be at least somewhat practical here.
0: God, I've met most of the nepetas. They're all very nice.
1: Oh, shut up.
0: <laughs> God.
1: That was a lot of you talking to yourself. That was a lot of me talking to myself. We got to trade off, you know? Yeah. Uh, Next. I-, I love the idea that they've run into like a bazillion dead nepetas and they're just like, whatever, you do cat puns, it's fine.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, we get it. <laughs>
1: Who fucking cares? Yeah, but there's a whole fleet of ships.
0: There are. There's tons of ships. And what about all those ships up ahead? Are they part of the treasure hunt, too?
4: Of course.
0: That's my army.
4: Okay, I mean our army, but, like, on boats. Isn't an army on boats usually called the Navy? John, help me out. I seem to be having trouble remembering which one of us is the captain. Was it the dork in the blue pajamas, or was it the veteran sailor in the red captain's coat? That's right, the captain was me, and I say it's an army that happens to be on a bunch of boats. Oh,
0: oh damn, he got smoked, oh, so smoked. Mina, did he catch those sick fires? No, but for real, primitive to the Navy. Just saying.
4: Who's in the army? Thousands of ghosts, primarily those of
1: old friends and acquaintances. Fucking Tavros to suck up, motherfucker.
0: Yeah, like oh, I hate Vriska. She's the worst, but also
1: great Fuck job, you John. Vriska. Yeah, Next. I hate John, because because d- he poses a threat to my relationship with Vriska, even though they, she clearly doesn't care anymore. Yep. God. Oh
0: jeez. Oh, we're jeez. We're seeing all these copies, and they all have mind control. Yeah, by Vriska.
4: Mm-hmm. Meh. we've amassed a coalition of eager volunteers ready to lay down their ghost lives for a worthy cause you mean fighting lord english when we're ready for that yes but we need the treasure first so for now they're sailing well ahead of us in large numbers to attract his attention so he can do more damage to the ring and fill out the rest of our maps we should be very grateful for their bravery they are making a noble sacrifice for us all Ray Ray, yeah, right. I'm mostly sure she's mind-controlling them. God damn it, Tavros! We really don't need your play-by-play commentary on everything. Wait, you're mind-controlling all these ghosts? No! Well, not all of them. Once you group enough together, others tend to latch on to the mob out of curiosity. We trolls have a way of clustering together, naturally. You've got to understand, John. Most of these people are pretty self absorbed. They just need a little bit of persuasion to join the cause. Word. Yeah, but isn't that still kind of a dickish? But all these stubborn jackasses are going to double die anyway if we don't all work together and kill this guy. This is war, John. In times of war, difficult decisions have to be made for the lives of many. Just think of me as a general giving orders to my troops. It just happens that the orders are a little more direct in this case.
0: Hey, Circuit Deuce, let's not lose track of who's acting in charge of this shit, okay?
4: Yeah, yeah. All hail her imperious teen condescension, the fresh new face of tyranny, Supreme Admiral Pixis. At this time, I would like to motion for a 15-minute bowing break so that we may demonstrate our reverence for this bold, spunky leader. Yes! Kavros stopped bowing, that was a joke.
0: No, keep doing that. Lower, Swabby. Lower! Face on the fucking deck.
4: Yeah, that's just perfect.
0: How do you mind control so many ghosts at once? Isn't that kinda hard?
4: Well, I do have a little help. John, did I mention... my ancestor? She is the best. She is? I must admit, I was not in favor of the idea at first. But Vriska made a very strong case for using our combined powers in this way. In a perfect reality, no one would have to get hurt, but the stakes are too high to be shying away from such measures. See what I mean, the best. Uh... It's been wonderful spending so much time on this adventure with my descendant, not just because it's helped me get to know her better, but because it's opened my eyes to think about myself I was never really in touch with. There are certain capabilities within me I've never been able to face, and she's helped me realize I've been hiding from them all my life and well beyond. It must be true, what they used to say on my world, that if you really want to know who you are, look to the legacy left behind by your ancestor. I think that wisdom works in both directions. Well put, Marquise. I've always felt the exact same way.
0: (sighs) Oh my god, this Sir Twin's being a door bubble again. Nigel, you put your mop right off strong swallow the vomit kind out of my mouth. Ew, no. Can you two stick a fork in this cinnamon carp? Maybe pretend you ain't hit it off so good. You ever stop and think how that makes me
4: feel? There's no reason to be jealous, Mina. You know nothing has changed about our friendship. Jealous? Please, no. Just, it makes
0: me think about my kids in it. How instead of having this cool friend say... Frenzy relation with her, I just got this uncontrollable urge to stab her to death if it doesn't threaten my super- supremacy. Just saying, because she's so cute. God damn, i a and the crazy junk it make me have to do. Ah, well. Maybe someday I'll find an heiress with my jeans, don't internally make me want to murder on site. I can teach her the bu- the badass ways of being a boss and shit. God, trolls are weird. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> Yeah, also, yeah, Arania, friendship.
1: Yeah, friendship. Weak. Uh-huh. <laughs> God.
0: But, yeah, they're just mind-controlling these ghosts.
1: Yeah, they're just just gotta get this shit done, I guess. Yeah. Uh, People have a big problem with this, huh? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think this is what Pris has a big problem with, actually, uh, when she's talking about Arania. Because um, she's got issues with Arania. Uh, anyway, next...
0: John just said trolls are weird. He said it quietly, but I heard, um... Hey, you snitch. Yeah, but... Aren't we? Uh... Moral of the story is, Blue Kid is a dumb nerd, but it's right when he says stuff. Look at that, it's... M- me and him becoming fast friends and lulling him to a sense of false confidence already.
4: What? sumo Lowell. Soon. It is true. To a human, the ways of trolls from both Alternia and Bephorus will seem very strange. In fact, prior to uniting in the afterlife, even the two groups of trolls were reasonably alien to one another. I've had a great deal of time to study the cultures of many species throughout paradox space. No matter which race you belong to, one can always find another whose ideals pose a challenge of comprehension to even the most open-minded. And though the ethical standards of those from Alternia may be some unpalatable to you— Rest assured, there are beings elsewhere in the cosmos whose violent behavior would be considered even extreme to most trolls. Hmm. Hmm. Also, Tamarose, you fucking snitch. You fucking
1: snitch. You little shithead motherfucker. John looks so angry at him. (laughs) Next.
0: Also, I just love Mina trying to just kill...
1: Yeah, just, she's gonna, th- that's how this dream ends, is because Mina is gonna, like, get a chance to throw the fucking trident at John, and that's gonna be it. Well, I mean, that's how all the other ones have ended. Yep. But Arania's very excited. Arania is very excited.
4: Actually, John, I'm very glad you brought this up, because I was in the middle of a wonderful story about this very subject, which you interrupted when you boarded our ship. Oh, Sorry. No, that's fine. Really, I'm quite pleased you did. This way I get to start over from the beginning. <laughs> god. Yay!
1: <Yep>. Next. <laughs> Everyone on the ship is like, oh, fuck me. Oh my god. John looking back and forth is amazing. I didn't notice that at first. Yeah. God. He's like,
0: uh, what I, What happened? What did I say? What did I do? What did I do? I do? <laughs>
4: There were some rough patches in my original telling, which I can go back and fix. This time it will be much better. Oh, okay. What's the story about? It is a tale about a very mysterious alien race called Cherubs. Let us begin. Once upon a time. Next.
0: Oh, gotta learn about Cherubs. Excellent.
1: God, the world building building (laughs) frame.
0: It's so good. It's It's
1: amazing.
4: There was a very mysterious alien race called Cherubs.
0: Arania, I thought you said you were going to fix the shitty parts of the story. Start with the same crappy line the first time, too.
4: The opening line is fine.
0: It's alright, I guess. Not.
4: Oh, shut up and let me tell my story. Now, where was I? There
0: was a very mysterious alien race called
4: Cherubs. Right. There was a very mysterious alien race called Cherubs. But there was one cherub in particular who, for at least the first half of our story, will be our heroine. Next. World building.
0: <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. We're seeing a, uh, a kind of.
1: I guess, is it that girl cherubs have the green cheeks and boy cherubs have the red cheeks? Is that yeah. what we're getting at here? Okay. Yes.
0: But it. No, it's not Calliope size. It's like. Lord English no,
1: this size. Is, yeah, this is an enormous cherub. With huge ben. angel wings. Yes.
4: She spent eons roaming her galaxy completely alone. But the time had come for her to find a mate. There is no small task for a cherub. Being an asocial species, they spend virtually no time in each other's presence at all. Aside from when it was time to mate, they may go their entire lives without encountering another. And so they scatter their through numbers throughout space, each staking a territory spanning many light years. But like a predator is able to track the scent of its prey, a cherub can sense the presence of another nearby. This sense is especially strong if that cherub shares the same qualities as its other half once had long ago, before it experienced the maturation of the process known as predomination."
0: Yeah, so predomination is when like one when of the when... sides takes control.
1: Right. So that's interesting. There are like no strictly male or female cherubs. It's just which side takes control. Yeah. Um and it didn't see, oh, well, I guess we don't fucking know whether anatomy changed, but it just seemed like they kept switching personalities and nothing else happened.
0: Yeah, I again, like it it doesn't really go in a lot into cherub junk, right? In the well, way it shouldn't, that I wouldn't ask it to. In the way that it didn't go into troll junk, right? But it's pretty common for everyone. Just like no, the body remains the same. It's just the personality.
1: Yeah, that that seems fine. Yeah. Uh, next. No, it's just interesting, I guess.
0: Yeah, it's it's an interesting alien race.
1: Yes. Uh, now we're seeing
0: uh like a shot of the space and like a, the spiral.
1: Yeah, and, and it, it keeps switching between from green to red.
0: And then also just the spiral, together.
1: Yes.
4: You see, when a young cherub hatches, it would appear that only one creature has begun its life. But this appearance is not to be trusted. The young cherub actually consists of two completely distinct beings, a male and a female, each sharing one body. The two halves are endowed with polar opposites' predispositions as well. One predisposed towards malevolence, another towards benevolence good or evil if you prefer to deal in simplistic terms or at least those which are convenient for the sake of this story, I prefer to view the dichotomy as kind of a moral alignment, like an attribute that dictates the choices a character makes in certain types of games they used to play. The male and female halves can be aligned either way, as long as they differ from each other. The resulting conflict between the two personalities is central to life as a cherub, both before and after predomination. Shortly after hatching, the two halves begin facilitating taking turns controlling the body. The only physical con- differentiation between the two is the coloration of their cheek world, which indicates alignment. There is otherwise no way to tell male and female apart before a chair predominates. The facilitation process is demarcated by sleep. When the male goes to sleep, the female wakes up. And when the male wakes up, again, the female sleeps. And so it goes back and forth like this as the two identities vie for dominance over the other, and ultimately pre- permanent control over the body. They grow to detest one another, and develop a few of social interaction centered entirely around animosity and confrontation. For good cherubs, this readies them for a long life of absolation, as they will prefer to avoid the sort of conflict that comes with social interaction as they've been conditioned to understand it. But for evil ones, the contentious upbringing only serves to fuel their inclination to harm others. And though this duality makes for a tormented childhood, the inner conflict it creates is extremely part of a young cherub's life. The defining part, actually. It's the struggle a cherub must overcome to mature, and this process culminates in
1: predomination.
0: Yeah, I guess so, there, there, there you go.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, and also,
1: that's kind of super shitty in that
0: well, if you're a good cherub, you just never want to talk with anyone ever yeah, again. Yeah, that's <laughs> fucked. And uh, Calliope is obviously different because she was able to talk with people online. Right. Yeah. And able to see that not all social interaction can be right, like that. It just
1: leads to terrible things. Yeah. Uh. Next.
0: Oh yeah, but the green spiral fills out and finishes. Uh, becomes it, and a it circle. It, yeah. Uh, and also, I forgot they said it during this, but the, it it is not always, you know, female good, male bad. It it. Yeah, it they did say also. that on
1: there. It can switch. Yeah.
0: So that was not an, a, a designation. No, and there, is, of course, is a fan art of if Cal of if Calliope was the evil one and Calibur was the nice
4: oh, one. Right, of course, one half will prove to have a stronger will than the other. The less dominant half will have will then weaken over time, and it will eventually become clear to both that one will not survive. The dominant personality will then consu- completely consume the other, integrating it in such a way that only one is left. The cheeks will become solidly colored, and the cherub will grow to maturity as a single being, endowed with the alignment of the dominant half, and with all his personal qualities at the forefront of the union. In the case of our heroine, she was the good half, and the day of her predomination was in a sense the day her brother died, and though it was to her benefit and personal growth, because of this loss she was always lived with a sense that something was missing. Every sexually mature cherub lives with this feeling. It drives them to seek out another cherub similar to the half they lost, the part of their being which they grew up in perpetual conflict with. The desire to travel the universe in hopes of reigniting that conflict is very important to their species. It's the force which compels them to procreate.
1: This is weird. Yeah. Yeah. Alien biology. Yeah. Next.
0: We're seeing, like, a destroyed planet and, like, the cherub, like, flying towards it.
4: Yeah. So she set out to track this scent, as it were, and soon she found a physical trail as well. A path of carnage left behind by a particular destructive male cherub. She followed a debris from civilized worlds and star systems he left behind, as if to mock her, to make it clear he knew of her pursuit and was all but paving her way with the dead. His brutality made her more furious, thus setting the mood, so to speak, for their imminent courtship. Nice. Yes,
0: yeah, so they're pre... They're. Like, you know. Foreplay is. Destroying, destroying planets. planets. Yeah, fucked up. And so. Like, Lord of England's destroying planets is not
1: really out of the norm. Is that what Caliborn's doing right now? Yes. Fucked up. It's just.
0: Because of the powers he has, he is able to control, destroy universes.
4: Uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Jeez. Next.
2: Oh, we just- Oh! It's...
0: Yeah, wait. okay. Yeah, what, so wait, we're... what is this? So we're seeing two trolls right here. Yeah. Uh, as part of the, uh, Homestuck Kickstarter- uh, oh, are these could, the fan trolls? You could pay a t- crazy amount of money to get your fan trolls to be, to be made canon.
1: Yeah. And this is them. This is them. Gotcha.
0: One of them is like wearing a top hat and one has like nunchucks.
4: Yeah. A cherub of his alignment is seemingly motivated by little other than to conquer and destroy From a bio-existential perspective, they behave somewhat like viruses, attacking the system from within. But as with all symbiotic organisms living within a universe, there are balancing factors. While those inhibiting an evil cherub's territory will regard it as an unpredictable tyrant, those in the territory of a good cherub will likely come to view it as a protector, waiting quietly for millennia in deep space, ready to attack any encroaching threat. In that sense, they are
1: not unlike cells in a universal immune system. Hmm. Hmm. Hang on, I need to read this fucking tweet Luke sent me. Next. Then
0: you could also pay more money to have them not die in one panel. <laughs> Ooh. There they go. They did not pay. <laughs> RIP.
4: This balance of forces allows stability, such that life and new civilizations can blossom and thrive within a universe, thus assuring the possibility of its own elaborate procreation process. But if that balance was ever disturbed, it would lead to chaos in that biosystem. The universe cannot survive for long. And if by some means a cherub with such destructive tendencies were to achieve unprecedented power, the resulting imbalance would be catastrophic for paradox space itself. And though the heroine of our story could have no way of knowing, this is exactly what would result from the pursuit of her chismesis.
1: This is... weird.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Cause Lord English is threatening Paradox Space. Yeah. Like to be very clear, that is happening. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, next. But yeah, he's I've pursuing seen... he's pursuing a green one. Although not for that reason, it's his sister. Yes.
4: Like humans, cherubs perceive romance through only one quadrant. Unlike humans, their relationships are exclusively black. But their mating ritual is much more violent than any practice trolls would or even physically could engage in. Though it is critical to the perpetuation of their race, the confrontations can sometimes be lethal to one or both cherubs. Regardless of the outcome, the stakes are always high. The winner of the duel will assume control of the other territory, while the loser will slink away to bear the offspring. So, as she toured the planetary wreckage, she knew her quest for a mate was not just about the propagation of her species, but for the liberation of billions from a monster. She pursued him for many sweeps with mounting obsession, until one day the trail came to an end at a black hole. Cherubs typically seek out black holes as a setting for their mating ritual, but not any black hole. Once long ago, it was a star. Circling that star was a planet. That planet was home to one of the presently sparring cherubs. The male in this case returned to the site of his hatching to mate, a location now conspicuously occupied by a truly massive black hole. This was where she found him, and this was where they would duel.
0: And yeah, the same thing was happening with Caliborn where there, there was, was a massive an enormous black, black hole. black
1: hole where he was. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Next. They were seeing the, the two cherubs...
1: Yeah, so the the nice one has white wings, and the evil one has black wings.
0: Yeah, because you know. Because you know. Symbolism or something.
1: (laughs) Yeah, or something. While an adult
4: cherub is a fearsome creature, and would be a formidable opponent to anyone in its unaltered state, this is not the form in which they do battle with each other. The ritual is more extreme and physically demanding than any other kind of courtship or duel in the universe— The moment they meet, they will both undergo a dramatic metamorphosis. Next.
0: They're snakes! They're snakes. With alligator heads.
2: The
4: mates will duel as two vast, frightening serpents, each an astronomical unit
1: in length. That's weird. Yep. Next.
4: The tangled struggle between the green os is an exceedingly brutal and can last for sweeps. While dueling in a monstrous form, their energy is inexhaustible. The transformation taps into the cherub's latent connection with the enigmatic forces presiding over all that is eternal, and permating all those endowed with immortality. Normally this power is only accessible to them during mating. In this form, they are only able to be injured by one another and are otherwise indestructible. Hence, the ritual can never be stopped by an outside force until it is complete.
0: Yeah, so they are glowing with Lord English energy.
1: Right, and spewing fire at each other. And yeah, and
0: uh, Arrhenia says that normally these powers were only accessible to them during mating. Normally. So... Looks like Lord English has those powers. Yeah,
1: has those powers access to them right now.
0: Yeah. The two snakes have formed the Ouroboros.
4: Yeah. It should come as no surprise that in this story, our heroine was victorious. Upon defeating her mate, she initiated the interlocking formation to complete the coupling, while assuming the dominant position, a stance undetectable to all but the most astute observers of the zoologically dubious. Consequently, the male was fertilized with the young. Next. He then slithered away in disgrace from the territory he'd just lost. A cherub looking to nest will search for a dead planet situated near a massive dying star. The egg is deposited on the planet's surface, and the rising temperature from the expanding red giant will incubate the egg until it is ready to hatch. Later in life, the cherub will grow wings, assuming it's matured properly, and if it has learned to fly well enough to reach a safe distance from the nest before the star goes supernova, soon the hungry cherub will return and feast on the resulting stellar energy. Doing so allows it to gain enough strength to travel great distances and claim its own territory. The star will then collapse into a black hole, serving as a distinct gravitational beacon to the cherub later in life, so it may return there to mate.
2: Hmm.
1: Hmm. So. If this is where. Caliborn and Calliope were, this would be Earth. Yes. Next. The moved Earth. The moved Earth, yes. Yeah, there it is.
4: <laughs> As it happens, our heroine's mate discovered Earth, long after it had journeyed to a new sun, and long since new civilizations had risen and fallen. Now on the brink of destruction from its dying star, its barren accommodations were ideal for a young cherub. There, he deposited his single egg and flew away, never to return. No cherub ever spawns more than one offspring at a time, for it is every cherub's destiny to grow up alone, or alone on the outside at least.
0: You see, like a, either the egg or the, the. Uh,
1: it looks like it just coming. shot the egg to that fucking place, yeah. or the cherub turned back into like a ball. But yeah, I don't just, think that makes sense at this point. Mm-hmm. It just like flew to the planet like.
0: Hey, I'm out. Hey! <laughs> yeah.
1: Hey, I'm out. God damn it, Ashley.
0: You ever seen that egg in a giant crater and it's. We see a shitty Statue of Liberty. <laughs>
4: yep. All kind of fire. From that egg hatched one very special cherub with two names one that few will ever know and one that few should ever say. A fascinating thing about a cherub's reproduction is how the parents' alignment is passed on to the young. If the male lays the egg, the alignments of the child's two halves will be the same as the parents. If the female lays the egg, the alignments will be flipped, and the young male and female halves will be endowed with opposite alignments of the parents. As such, the male half took after his father. Perhaps the son even exceeded him in violent tendencies. It's hard to imagine there's ever been a chair more willfully destructive or as stubbornly dedicated to conquest than the monstrosity he would grow up to become.
0: Yeah, so this is basically just a... Calibor this is and just Calliope. the origin
1: story for Caliborn and Calliope, yeah. Yeah. Next. Oh, hey buddy. It's Gamsey. Hey, buddy.
4: <laughs> Due to his indomitable nature, I believe victory over his sister was a foregone conclusion. Barring a highly improbable glitch in causality, it would be almost impossible for her to predominate over someone like him. And even so, he didn't have the patience to wait. Unfortunately for everyone to ever exist, he discovered a way to predominate early, yet it was not this act alone that would prove ominous so much as the means through which it was achieved. He was allowed to become the solo player of a game which his kind was never meant to play, and so it is with the predomination of her son that our heroine's story ends, and the story of our villain begins.
0: And, and Gamzee's up there. Yep, and Gamzee's up there just chillin'. Yeah. Next. Oh, and uh, we're back on the ship, and Fairy uh, and Nepadeth have shown up. <laughs> Just hanging out. Uh, this was prob- I think this was after they probably exploded.
1: Yes. Yeah, they're both sitting staring at each other, so it's probably right after that happened.
0: Yeah, and everyone's kind of staring at them. Yep.
1: Hey, Mina, where are you going?
4: Uh,
0: I'm taking a gaper break. God.
4: But the story isn't over yet.
1: God. <laughs> Next.
0: Oh, Nepiduns, we're so happy to see each other. Girl, your story never ends. I'm glad I came in deal. Just keep talking while I'm gone. No, that's okay. We can wait. I heard the damn story, though. Not all of it. fuck, can't you just keep yapping about snake sex while I hit the little grub room already? God. I mean, yeah, that's what she's doing. Yeah. Next. And now a fairy nephew putting on little (laughs) costumes.
4: I'm afraid not. Everyone must listen to the full story.
0: Oh my fucking god. You're a turning evil, aren't you? I would be proud except for how terrible and boring the actual consequences are for me personally. Wait, does that mean when you're a ghost, you have to tell us to pee? None of your business, blue kid.
4: That's so weird. Am I the only one who thinks that's weird? No, John. It's definitely pretty weird that ghosts have to pee. You get used to life as a ghost pretty fast, though.
0: But weren't you already pretty used to peeing when you were alive?
4: Yeah, that's why you get used to it pretty fast, dummy. This
0: is kind of a stupid conversation. Can we hear more about the snakes and whatnot? It was a pretty cool story.
4: Yes, as soon as Mina returns from her visit to the Lode Gaper... Holy mackerel,
0: can you shit fuckers just enjoy your space litter pour while I'm taking a fucking piss? God <laughs> Next. Also, yeah, yeah, John, like,
4: isn't it weird that people <laughs> <laughs> I think we could all stand to take a brief intermission from the story regardless. To let all those intriguing facts about cherubs sink in.
0: Ugh, your intermission. What is it with your intermissions? I ain't even intermissions at the time. Just an excuse to tell another dumb story and t- a longer dumb story.
4: Yes, Mina, you are correct, and your reservations are noted. However, would it change your mind if I were to propose not an intermission, but an interficient?
2: Mm.
0: <laughs> Fine. Let's do the inefficient thing you said. Because of fish. BRB, you scrubs. God... <laughs> I love Mina's, like, head just poking out. <laughs> fine, I'm still
1: going, but fine. Oh, and Solix, buddy, Solix, what up? <laughs> oh, no, Solix. He's gonna fall on top of Mina. Let's begin interfishing. <laughs> oh, that sucks falling down.
0: <laughs> Taverns are playing music, and we're getting a bladder meter for Mina. <laughs>
1: Oh god, this is so good.
0: Yeah, all of the uh Uh trolls are playing different instruments. Arania flute, uh Freya bass
1: uh Nepettus has Macarinas Uh Vriska is on the xylophone. Yep. Uh and is on wind chimes. Yep. Jonah just kinda staring.
0: Well Mina's back. God. We got a nice insert shot of, Mina, of Arania playing the wind chimes.
1: So good.
0: I pet fell the fuck down. Like captor, like captor, I guess. So, uh... What are we doing here? Ivy. Okay, <laughs> thanks, bye. She, <laughs> she just leaves just... again.
1: Yep. God, this is incredible. <laughs> okay, that's it. Yep. End of inner fishing. <laughs>
0: That's that's great. That's just great.
4: Anyway, where was I?
0: The heroine story ends and the villain story begins, I think.
4: Yes, that's right. It is with the predomination of her son that our heroine story ends and the story of our villain begins.
1: Next. And
0: yet, Gamzee's just there. (laughs) Yeah, he just has the egg. And yet, it hatches and it... It
1: kind of looks like he broke it. Yeah. It kind of looks like he cracked it.
4: But as we all know, beginnings are not always so easy to pinpoint in paradox space. One could say his story began the day he claimed immortality, or the moment his being was inexplicably confined to a juju, allowing him to access any realm in which his vessel would capriciously materialize. But for the sake of linearity... We may as well say his story began the day he and his sister hatched.
1: Put in a juju. Put in a juju. Next. Doll. Oh! Look at that baby snake.
0: Yeah, it's got one red cheek, one green cheek, one red eye, one green eye. Yeah. And his tongue is, uh, like spiraled, like Beetlejuice.
4: When a cherub hatches, the two undeveloped personalities mingle together in the same body. There is not yet a clear division between the two. It will then consume the eggshell for the vital nutrients it contains. The sugary snack is irresistible to the starving wiggler. Once it finishes its first meal, the two personalities will pulled apart for good and the child will pupate. The two halves then begin facilitating with their sleep cycles as I described. It's a candy Mm. egg. Just a candy
0: egg. I, I do like that idea that this alien race eats their own egg.
1: Yeah, the eggshell. I think that's a thing with something. It's gotta be, right? Maybe. It may even be a snake of some kind. Yeah, who knows? I don't.
0: Yeah, I don't know shit about biology. Yeah,
1: fuck. Next. <laughs> oh, camsey don't don't put a codpiece on the baby. Oh, God, Camzy. Gross motherfucker.
4: As you might expect, the female child was cheerful and friendly as could be. Mm-hmm. Next.
1: Oh, it's hugging Gamzee. Gaw.
4: She took after her mother in every way. At least, the way the mother used to be, long before she was hardened by centuries of isolation and obsessive pursuit of justice.
0: Next. Gamzee looks not, looks happy. Yeah.
4: And to just as little surprise, the male child was an insufferable brat. It's
0: like shaking and like is yeah. all looking all scared. Just screaming. Next.
1: <laughs> it's chopping oh. on Gamsy's shoulder. Oh. oh. <laughs> it is just
4: as well that cherub parents abandon their offspring. Raising such a child by the familial standards of any race would be a monumental challenge. Next. I
0: just imagine, like, Gamzee running around with the... Like, a uh, Calibor, like, on his neck, just talking.
2: God!
1: That's uh, <laughs> the worst.
4: Nevertheless, it would seem there were those who tried. Details in my research suggest our villain had a number of acolytes operating in the shadows, preparing for his arrival. He will probably never know... We will probably never know who these scurrilous conspirators were, but it is evident that at some point the cherub was locked in a room, either out of exasperation or for its own good, until it was old enough to enter the session.
1: Yeah, so Next. it looks like... Uh, yeah, so Gam- like, Gamzy locked him in there. Gamsy
0: locked him in there, and like along with Curlaws uh, and stuff. Yeah. The right, because they had that the dark whole carnival. cult.
1: Yeah. It...
0: It's weird, I can just say that at this point you're like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
1: fucked up. Because it's a fucking ICP joke. It's Yeah, it's a nightmare in here. (laughs) The
4: children were left with everything a young cherub could ever want. Meat, candy, computers, a lifetime supply of special stardust, and of course their precious juju's. The Acolytes had clearly gone to great lengths to harvest such items from all over the cosmos so they could lavish their young master with gifts. They may have been prisoners, yes, but if you ask me, these children were very spoiled. Next. Yeah, no, maybe
0: not so much. I've seen the broken chessboard.
4: Yeah. While the female was preparing for a collaborative approach to the game, the male was plotting furiously against her. he never had any intention of working with her. As far as he was concerned, the game was his and his alone to conquer. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Next. Uh, We're seeing that shot from uh, the uh, Flash. When he ate his leg. But it keeps playing over and over, and it's very gross. It's very gross.
4: One day, he put his plan into motion. He had his sister's dream self assassinated on Prospect. The next time she went to sleep, she would never wake up again. When her brother woke up, he became the sole occupant of the body. He then freed himself from his chains and launched the session by himself. Yeah, we, we basically
0: all know this, but just, you know, good to get the larger context.
1: Yeah, um, but he doesn't have like a server player, or I guess if you count Hussey, but this is a weird session because it's single player.
0: Yeah, it's it's a weird session.
1: Yeah.
4: this game was never meant to be played solo. Its format is inherently cooperative. The diversity of players, the combination of their efforts and aspects, this is what awakens the true creative potential of the game. Without them, a session will wither and die. If one enters alone, it completely alters the nature of the game. It changes its purpose. For a solo player, a challenging quest becomes an insurmountable one. A reward of infinite promise becomes a boon far more sinister. The gauntlet which the player must overcome is seemingly designed to be impossible. For all intents and purposes, it is not actually a game at all. It is a death sentence for any player foolish enough to accept the challenge. But it bears repeating, this was a very special cherub.
0: Yeah. So the so black if, hole behind him. Mm-hmm. If you just play Burb solo, it it's not really the same game. It's, it's uh,
1: not supposed to work.
0: Yes. Next. Well, and also you don't even do the whole, you know, making your own, like, you know, building up your house or anything like that. It's just...
1: Right, you don't cooperate with any other players, you can't... It, it, it's just, it defeats the entire purpose of that game.
0: Yes, and so the game changes to accommodate...
1: Yeah, and it, it just, it says it, like, throws a gauntlet at the player. Yeah. So what does that exactly entail? Well, it's what Obviously he's is? conquering planets right now. Like making a gang. He's- it's trying to force him to cooperate with people inside the game. Yes.
4: He entered what is called a dead session. This qualifies as both null and void session, but is even less than either of those. Compared to a typical session, it is almost unrecognizable. Before the game begins, Skya is blotted out with a dark layer of clouds. Its light is extinguished for good. There is no planet waiting for the player in the medium. So instead, he brought it with him.
1: Hmm. Right, he sucked Earth through. Yep. Next.
4: But when he arrived, there was no heroic journey for him to embark on. There was nothing. No sprite, no consorts, no underlings. The land had no name. Those things all needed to be unlocked. To unlock his true quest, he was forced to undergo a series of excruciatingly tedious trials. Only then would the way to the planet's core be revealed. There, he would consult with the most dangerous denizen of all. And while such trials might discourage most players from even trying, our villain's response was quite the contrary. He was only emboldened by the mind-numbing chores. He took them with gusto, as if performing them out of spite. And he was. Yeah, it was. Next. With perseverance, he found the final door and unlocked it. Waiting for him on the other side was a terrible creature named Yaldaboth. His denizen would allow him a brief audience, one just long enough for him to make the choice.
0: Yeah, so the yeah, the choice is something we've heard a lot about. Yeah, with a uh, denizens and it seems to be different for every single person.
1: Right. So like Jade's choice, god, what was Jade's choice? She had to either gather up everybody or die? Basically. Was yeah, that it? Yeah, she
0: had to die or take all the plants with him to the new session. Right. Which she and agreed you know, to. She did.
1: Without yeah, then, knowing yeah. that she could do it Yeah um, Yeah because I mean if the choice is either die or do the thing You probably try to do the thing And if you die trying you made the choice Yeah Like nope what's the difference
0: Although we did talk to the John
1: Right he took die right Yeah I think Did he got ever to...
0: say what the other choice was No he didn't say what the other choice was But I think it was explained to him that this was a doom timeline
1: Right so may as well just die And get it over with
0: yeah, that to like keep things going.
1: Right to save his friends, basically. Yeah. Uh, next we have a flash or a sound page.
0: Again, the Yaldabaoth logo. The light logo. symbol
1: with a face in it. Yeah.
0: It's just like a oh, blinding geez. light and a giant serpent.
1: Uh, oh, I didn't even notice Caliborn at the bottom. This thing's enormous.
0: Yeah, it's gigantic. And we're getting like a. It's like horrible, like. Sound of like a monster growling.
1: Yeah, it, it sounds like it's speaking, but very low, very growly. Yeah. Yataboth is like an actual, like. I'm trying to find. Is it a figure in myth? Yeah. I mean, that's what it seems like. All the denizens are, right? They're some kind of figure in myth. Yeah, it's just
0: we mo we mostly know Dave's because it's Greek myth, and so we all know that. Right.
1: So I know that. Yeah. Um. What's what was John's? I know. Um. Jade's was a kidna. A kidna mythology. A half woman, half snake. Yeah, the is like from like Jehovah, Jehovah.
0: Oh, okay. Um, uh, like you know. Assuming the arrogant pose of the deity, Yadabath falsely believes himself to be the only god in the entire cosmos.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, that sounds like a very Caliborn thing.
2: <laughs>
4: Ready? Yep. Yeah. No denizen has never been mistaken for pleasant company, but the self-proclaimed god of all monsters is notoriously inhospitable to his players. His choices are known for their wild extremes. And to this player in this session, he offered the most extreme choice of all. It was the choice between a path of conquest and a path of sacrifice. But this is putting it lightly. In a tongue only his player could understand, he described what the path of the martyr entailed. In short, it involved nothing. The player chooses to walk away from the temptation of power, to surrender all ambition, and to welcome death. In exchange for this pledge comes a promise. The player's sacrifice is ensured to benefit all who will ever live. In death, the player would later be in the position to help bring an end to a force unfathomable evil and destruction. A force which was unleashed, for instance, by someone who once opted for the other choice. Yaldabaoth then described what it would meant to choose the path of the Conqueror. It was a path for a more active player, to be sure. The player's mettle as a conquering force would be tested directly and repeatedly. One by one, he would have to conquer and destroy a number of planets spawned for him in the session. Each would be more difficult than the last. After destroying them all, his true land would become unlocked, and he would then return to face his denizen again and defeat him in combat. If successful, his reward would be unprecedented. He would receive the boon of unconditional immortality, where resurrection would not be linked with the just or heroic nature of death. It is unclear how this boon would be awarded, since, to my knowledge, it is beyond even the ability of a denizen to allow this. But, through whatever mechanism the boon is bestowed, immortality is only the beginning. The player is also imbued with a limitless supply of power, enough to destroy anything he wanted for as long as he wanted. And knowing the villain of our story, anything he wanted would be everything, and as long as he wanted to be forever. Yes, knowing our villain, the choice he would make is quite clear. Knowing him, in fact, proves it could hardly be considered a choice at all.
1: Okay. So, the doomed timeline is where Calliope goes, does this, but makes the opposite choice, because Caliborn is going to take power. Yes. So, that's why they have to find the dead Calliope, Calliope, because she is the one who could put a stop to this. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. And also, the choice,
0: as, you know, we kind of always knew, not really a choice. No. It's what you're going to pick no matter what. Yeah. Next. But, you know, being confronted with that, you know, being confronted with maybe being a martyr or.
1: <laughs> yeah. Or somebody extremely powerful.
0: Confronting you know. that is maybe the important part of that.
1: Yes. Yeah. That Like. Yeah.
0: Like that Doom John, like going like, OK, I got to die.
1: Right. That's the thing. That's the other thing. Like, that's the only way things can keep going. Mm hmm.
4: It was at this point the real game would begin. Skyle would undergo a dramatic transformation, becoming even darker and heavier. Next, yeah, it's like cracking.
1: Yeah. Oh, and now it's getting even, even crackier. Mm-hmm. Soon
4: it would become a very massive solid sphere. It would begin to generate heat due to a rising density. The surface would begin to crack.
1: Next. Oh, jeez. Oh, pool balls.
4: Yep. The resulting explosion is known as the first break. From the primordial blast would emerge 15 planets for the player to conquer. They would scatter and ricochet at high velocity before settling into orbit in the medium. The break is a very violent phenomenon, though. Not all planets will necessarily clear the blast before the sky and debris settles into its final state. Next.
0: Yeah, so this is
1: <laughs> just is... every once in a while when you break the q cu- uh the uh god uh the triangle when you when you open a game of pool sometimes you knock some balls into the hole.
0: Yeah. It's the big br- it's the big bang. It's the big break.
1: God. Yeah.
4: The vast amount of resulting matter then collapses into a black hole. Its gravitational pull is tremendous. Any object within range will be sucked in and destroyed those planets which settle into orbit will be safe for the time being. But in the case of our villain session, three of the planets did not make it and fill into the black hole. This was very lucky break for him.
1: So I believe, so red is three. Yeah. Uh, green is t- 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 six. Mm-hmm. Uh, And Red Stripes, I think, is 15? I believe so, yeah. Next. Let's see, is that 12?
4: Yeah. Yeah. It meant that he would only have to conquer 12 planets instead. This bit of good fortune could very well have been the difference which allowed him to overcome a nearly impossible challenge. His task was to destroy all of these planets in order, each within a time allowance that gets shorter with every planet. To destroy a planet, first it must be conquered. He would have to overcome all forces of resistance on the planet and ultimately defeat whatever powerful underling ruled there. Then, much like he did to unlock the quest in the first place, he would have to travel to the planet's core. He would There, there he would retrieve a bomb and return to the surface. If he did not accomplish this in time, the bomb would detonate in the core and the game would be lost automatically. The bomb is not powerful enough to destroy the planet alone. In fact, its purpose is not to damage the planet at all, but to move it.
1: Yeah, okay.
2: You see where
4: this is going? Kinda. So he must bring it to a designated location on the surface. When it explodes, the planet will be knocked out of orbit and sucked into the hole. Of course, he must make sure he has moved on to the next planet before this happens. So he's literally just playing pool.
1: He's playing pool yeah with planets with planets which is really funny yeah next
0: i just i just love that like oh you thought this pool metaphor from this intermission was like bullshit
1: no it is it is the entire thing
2: yeah
4: he repeats this planet he repeats this process for each planet until they are all gone there is one caveat though he must skip the eighth planet if he sinks that one before any of the others, it will result in a destruction of the entire session. Thus, it must be the final planet he conquers.
0: Just really slamming it home. Like, hey, just, just in case hey, you didn't get this. Yeah, it's fucking pool. Yes pool.
1: Next.
4: Upon destroying the eighth planet, his true land will reveal itself. The dead planet will come to life, and there he must prepare for battle with his denizen. He may sharpen his combat skills, craft new weaponry, anything he can do to improve his chances against a very powerful endgame foe. Fortunately for him, he would not have to face the monster alone. By then, he will have accumulated a party of loyal minions.
1: Next.
0: Yeah, it's, it's like flashing between like all the different lands. Yeah. Oh, we're seeing the, the felt...
4: With each planet he destroys, he'll be awarded a new leprechaun follower. Even if a planet was destroyed in the break, he will still be awarded that planet's leprechaun upon destroying the planet preceding it. Sort of like a two-for-one deal. Wait. Leprechauns? Yes, John. I'm delighted to see you've pounced on what is clearly the most interesting part of the story thus far. Leprechauns are a fascinating mythical race, although there is some disrepute among scholars as to who whether they are a breed of gnome. Uh, I can't say I blame you for being speechless. There are no doubt hundreds of questions swirling around in your head at once about these wonderful creatures. Where do I even begin? You must forgive me, I find it very difficult to resist going on at length about them. I just think they're so great. For instance, I can and have given lectures for weeks at a time on their marvelous and widely varying magical abilities. More intriguing yet would be any medium to long-form harangue on the topic of their culture and customs, most of which revolve around luck. But most captivating of all, and the subject upon which I will now assiduously expound, will be the positively scintillating subject of leprechaun romance.
1: Oh, boy. Oh, God, no.
0: Next. This is why people hate (laughs) Arania.
1: Can you describe what we see, Molly? Uh, so we have a three-by-three grid. Uh... And each of them is filled in with a different Lucky Charm. Yeah. From the serial Lucky Charm. <laughs> and you know that panel where, our, like, uh, Jade's thinking about furries, or Mina's thinking about herself,
0: or, or Carbone's thinking about
1: world building, or Roxy's thinking about wizards? It's that. Yeah. But with Arania, it's adorable. I still love that fucking panel. It's so good. It's perfect.
4: The problem is that, when the subject of leprechaun romance is broached, our overly obsessive troll intellects instantly assume the most intriguing posture of admiration imaginable. Which makes it hard. Hard to get a proper academic focus. I mean, because of how great it is. But we will do our best to understand regardless. Trolls have only full four forms of romance, and though we consider it complicated subject spanning a wide range of emotions, social conventions, and implications for reproduction, it is ultimately a superficial slice of what leprechauns considered the full body of romantic experience. In our concept of romance, in spite of its capacity to fill our art and literature and to rule our individual destinies like little else, is still just that. A single, quaternary concept. A concept usually denoted by four symbols. The heart. Uh... God. Heart, spade. Heart, spade, diamond, and club. Leprechaun romance is more complicated than that. Leprechaun romance needs nine symbols. The nine quadrants of Leprechaun romance are considerably more nuanced than our quaint notions of romance, and certainly more alien. In fact, so conditioned is my own understanding of romance that I can't help but refer to them as quadrants, when in fact they're not quadrants at all. They're referred to as charms. One of the charms is characterized by romantic love as understood by both trolls and humans. But after that, all bets are off. There is no division between black or red, conspusion or conciliatory. Instead, their charms comprise of a special continuum of more subtly varying types of relationships, most of which are established in mutual chicancery, such as the exchange of pranks, coy riddles, slapstick shenanigans, and games of choice. Furthermore, a pair of leprechauns is not limited to a single charm. A relationship may be defined by multiple charms at once. In fact, some of the most interesting relationships arise from exotic charm combinations. A stable relationship consisting of three or more charms is called a trove. These advanced relationships are often viewed as the ideal end result for a romance, much the way a certain pairing rituals are for humans. No charm is specifically tied to procreation, though any type of relationships could begin waxing in confusion if Lady Luck should so decide. Certain charm combinations are known to be more conductive to fertility than others. If the leprechaun pair has been so blessed, they will begin an elaborate coupling procedure culminating in the lively mating jig. The jigs are specific to the charms, of course, similar to how different kinds of music lend themselves to various styles of dance. While their romance is endlessly captivating, leprechaun reproduction may be the most interesting subject of all. Particularly from a perspective of detailed anatomical study, which I will get to shortly. But first, it bears pointing out that for a while humans' reproductive relationships are exclusively heterosexual, and for trolls they are bisexual, for leprechauns they. Wow, what a story! But I wasn't fit. Wasn't that a great story, everyone? Wow. God. <laughs> <laughs>
0: A lot yeah. of that same text is the text that got used with um. uh, When the troll stuff got
1: explained. Oh yeah no uh, yeah absolutely it's it's the same shit. Yes. God that's amazing. <laughs> Next. Also, I love that like
0: one was just like oh they're leprechauns and I'm like <laughs> yeah they were <laughs> yeah they were they just were you nailed it buddy. Hmm. <laughs> You oh, really God, like this this page is just Iranian
1: and Friska talking to each other. Yep, yep. I've been trying so hard to differentiate the two of them. Do you want me to take over one of them? Do you want to take Aranea? Sure, if you don't mind. Yeah, go for it. I don't want to make you sit there. Hmm. I just made you sit there for, like, eight pages.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Sorry. It's fine. Hmm. You really liked it that much,
4: Friska? Hell Yeah. Oh my god, that leprechaun stuff? So good. Right, guys? Wow, well, I would be happy to continue then if you- Mindfang, have I told you how great it's been to get to know each other and team up on adventures and stuff? I really feel like you've helped me get in touch with my ancestral roots, mainly as a kick-ass storyteller. It was like this whole part of my personality I was never aware of. Like, the part that's compelled to just outright explain tons of really interesting things to people while sparing no detail whatsoever. It's made me feel a lot closer to understanding my aspect, as well as closer to you, so I just wanted to say thanks. Oh, you're
0: welcome. I feel the exact same way about you, at, about my time with you. You've helped me get in touch with the true pirate within. I saw a newly adventurous spirit I'd always wished I could be. You helped me finally understand the virtue of rationalizing questionable decisions and behaving unscrupulously for the greater good.
4: No stop you're gonna make me start tearing up. Get over here and give me a hug, Alpha Sister.
1: Hmm God Next
0: Oh they're hugging.
1: Yeah. Me as I Yeah <laughs> <laughs> Vriska choking herself over a radius shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> Next.
0: <laughs> Me to <neither> do <doing laughs> the, the jack off motion.
1: <laughs> Holy shit!
0: Next, <laughs> <laughs> they high five. God, while they're still while Arania still hugging mm. Briska. Next, uh, Arania knows. Arania, Arania knows. Arania caught on. <laughs> Next. And John's just been watching the entire
1: time. He's getting more pixelated as each frame goes by.
0: Yeah, no, yeah, Arania definitely
1: knows. <laughs> <laughs> Next. Oh, and we're back to Terezzi. Uh.
0: Hmm. Uh, hmm. Molly. What? Is something different about Terezi? She looks a little fucked up. I mean, Yeah. But, like, in the eye region.
1: Oh. Oh, her eyes aren't red. She has eyes. Yeah. They're not burned over. We haven't
0: seen Terezi's eyes since, like, year one on the meteor. Yeah. Actually, we haven't seen them since Arania talked to Terezi.
1: Huh. Next. (laughs) Carcat's also confused. Yeah. Next. You want to take Carcat? Yeah. Oh God! What the fuck is Carcat's voice? I mean, I. No, I'll be fine.
0: Okay. Because Dave shows up and talks with Carcat, so I'm like wondering, like what?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, like I listen. You're the Terezzi person. Yeah. That that is. That's that's locked in. Who? Oh, you know.
0: Riska's ancestor, the friendly one who tells long stories?
1: Oh, yeah. Her. I don't know, I can't keep all these ghost names straight. Fliptuna, Tuna, Meowlin, wasn't there a Carlos? Ah, fuck it, they're all named Carlos as far as I'm concerned. Wait, except Mina. She was alright. A little forward, but whatever, this isn't the point. All I remember about my interactions with the circuit girl was getting cornered to these ludicrous monologues, then racking my brain for excuses to get the hell out of there.
0: Yeah, well, I was a little more tactful than you, and actually listened. Let her talk me into something I shouldn't have. So she was just like, poof,
1: and suddenly her eyes were better? Yeah. What is she? Sort of magic fairy? Uh, yeah,
0: that's kind of literally what she is. Oh. Alright, I guess her story
1: checks out then. Good for her. But this doesn't seem like you, Terezi. I mean, I didn't even think you WANTED your eyesight back. I've never met anyone as chuffed as their own disability as you. I was under the impression you felt like it was a big part of who you were. It was! The
0: moment she healed me, I knew I made a terrible mistake. I couldn't take it back. I thought about it, just like blinding myself again and pretending it never happened, but getting the way it happened originally was something special to me. I can't duplicate that. If I could, I still wouldn't be the same. I can't seem to forgive myself for being so stupid. For some reason, I thought it was a good idea to take the only cool
1: and unique thing about myself and fix it.
0: What was I thinking? Whoa,
1: whoa. The only cool thing about you? Trazzi. I want to be understanding, but I can't get behind some of the shit you're saying about yourself here. What made you start unraveling like this?
0: I think it was when we started meeting with our ancestors, and I thought they were all cooler and older and more interesting than us even though they probably weren't. They had a lot of problems and insecurities, too. i guess the kind that all the kids have, and when you're younger, you don't really recognize them as problems? You look at those things, just just part of what it's like being someone who's more interesting and grown up than you. Maybe since I'm not as young anymore, I guess I can see that now. I was stupidly shocked by some people who were not so impressive in retrospect, and I made a dumb mistake. Wait, we
1: all met those people, like kind of a long time ago. How long have you been hiding this from everyone? I don't know, a year or something? I wasn't
0: hiding it. I just didn't tell anyone. Yeah, that's what hiding it means. But you usually can't see my eyes anyway. It's my
1: glasses, duh. I know, but not telling anybody that is still being pointlessly secretive. You could've said, hey Carcat, I fucked up and now I can see again. Maybe we can talk about this so I don't go in a tragic downward spiral and make you worry about me for no reason. I'm sorry. I should have, but I was so ashamed. And what about this clandestine black rom nonsense you've been going on with Gamzee? What? Have you been dating him for just as long? Was he involved in that decision? Like, did he help talk you into healing your eyes or something? How did you know we were dating? Did he tell you? Oh my god. Terezi, you are a fucking catastrophe. Used to be, like, cunning. And considerably more intelligent than me, which I have no problem admitting. But this is ridiculous. Even if I didn't figure it out myself, which I did, because it was obvious, you were up here on the roof lying unconscious in a pile of honkhorns and fago bottles. I am not a master of deduction, but unless you were recently stomped on by some sort of golem composed of garbage from a circus, it seems fair to say you're officially down with the clown.
2: Ah. <sighs>
0: Okay. Yeah, it's true.
1: Well, what do you have to say about it?
0: I couldn't get the nerve to tell you about that either. No way, I'm even more disgusted with myself for dating that asshole than I think for healing my eyes. Then why are you doing it? I don't know. I can't bring myself to stop seeing him. Every time I think I can't stomach the sight of the ugly face for another second, just pulls in. He's just so awful (laughs) god so Arania healed her eyes yeah Arania who believes she knows what's best for people and has taken a strong liking to mind control yeah
4: yeah that's bad this mm, that's
0: it's
4: not,
2: not good. Great. It's- no. Next. <laughs> <laughs> this is
0: one of my
1: Clark favorite panels of all time. <laughs> cat sitting on a backwards chair. Like he needs to rap with you about something. Yeah. And fucking Dave's face floating next to him. <laughs> it's.
2: Fucking
1: me amazing and luke uh we
0: probably we were talking about but we've gotten a long discussion about this panel recently oh yeah
1: and how amazing it is it's it's fucking amazing
0: uh dave shows up later that's fine okay you're fine dave, with that?
1: dave is not an issue <laughs>
0: oh trust me dave
1: is not an issue no dave is one of the easiest voices he always knows
0: exactly what to say to piss me off. Everything he does, his fake god tier suit, his smug expression, the dumbass way he butchers his sentences, saying shit like, Oh, will get up at this motherfucking. I'm oh, gone. I hate it so much. Keep coming back for more. It's like a drug. you more addicted than this revolting soda I can't stop drinking. I've just had so much fago, I can't even taste the color. I just taste the sugar and the bubbles and the awful flavor of it. It leaves behind, which just makes me drink more to wash it away. It feels so nasty. I have to take a long soda nap, but wake up loathing myself even more. I just reach for another bottle. It's truly the wicked elixir. <laughs> Dorezzi. I want him to be out of my life. He's the worst thing that's ever happened to me, but I guess you can't help who you hate.
1: This is killing me hearing this. I just really want to weep actual puke out of my eyeballs from this story. How did this happen? I gotta say, I didn't see it coming. You told me sweeps ago, you and he. I wouldn't believe it. Like, if the writing was on the wall there, I sure as fuck didn't read it.
0: Yeah, it's. snuck up on me. It didn't help that he terrorized us when he. when we were hiding from Jack. Right under my nose too. Somehow I didn't put the pieces together at the time and let him get away with murder. And gradually started having this uncontrollable thoughts about him. Dark thoughts. When I would catch a whiff of him in the corridors, like he was taunting me. That just fanned the flames. And he started talk talking shit with each other more and more. He was so much nastier than he ever used to be, way more than any of our friends ever were. One time he started mocking my blindness, which never bothered me when anyone else did it. it. Somehow, the stuff he said, I let it get out of my skin. Combined with meeting a lot of new people, it felt like I couldn't live up to. That's when I started reconsidering Arania's off-
1: offer. I knew it. I knew he must have something to do with that decision. That slimy bastard. This is all my fault. I wasn't visual enough with him, and I let our moral allegiance break down. If I kept a closer eye on him, maybe he wouldn't have lured you into a spinning tent of shit. No, you, you shouldn't feel like that. Or maybe it's Kanaya's fault. She's always been a really good hospitess. Maybe she could have prevented this if she wasn't so preoccupied herself. No, wait, it's my fault again. If I had been on the ball and hospitized between her and Rose, she would have had the time to hospitize between you and Gamsy. Damn it, I always say I know so much about romance, yet I routinely underestimate its complexity, so I only figure out what to do after it's way too late. God, I'm
3: so stupid, 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 stupid.
1: Ah, shut up. It's no one's
0: fault but mine. I'm the one who has to deal with it.
1: Yeah, okay. For what it's worth, he'll probably just break it off and leave you once we get to the new session. All his loyalties and priorities are totally warped now. Not sure he really cares about anymore, but it sure isn't any of us. Do you think he'll leave me? Yeah, I do. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa, what? Isn't that what you want?
0: No! I'd be devastated if he just suddenly ditch me like that.
1: Okay, help me out. You're confusing me here.
0: I feel pathetic. I guess the sick and terrible part of me doesn't want him to go. But if he does, I want it to be because I
1: tell him it's over. Wow. Alright, I guess that makes sense. Sorry. I'm just trying to be supportive here, but I'm not always sure what the right thing to say is. Doing my fucking best. This is complicated for me, too. You're both my friends.
0: I know. I appreciate your intentions, Carcat. Maybe. Maybe it would be better if you weren't sitting up there in that backward chair while you talk to me.
1: What? Why? Yeah, dude, you should probably ditch the chair. What the fuck is wrong with my chair? Or at least sit on it front ways. Or offer of her a chair? I don't know. It's kind of a dumb affectation in this context. No, look, it's casual and relaxed. Like, it visually compla- it conveys that my presence in the conversation is humble and non-threatening, yet frank and attentive. What the fuck do you want from me? To sit on the goddamn floor. Why should I squat on the dirty floor? What difference does it make? So you could be the same vertical plane with your friend while you exhibit compassion for a grody crown problem. Dave, it's fine. Never mind about the chair. I don't care. It just struck me as a bit distractingly silly, that's all. Okay, wow, fine. Fuck the chair. Pardon me for making myself comfortable during a sincere heart-to-heart discussion with a dear friend in need. But the time has come for me to cease straddling this deeply offensive piece of furniture. Away with ye, four-legged temptress. Distract us no more with the most basic and utilitarian form of creature comfort you supply. Carcat just threw a tantrum about a chair. I just want Carcat tantrum bingo. (laughs)
0: Hard swings, hard swings.
1: <laughs> God,
0: I like even Dave. Like, no, you don't sit on the chair because you can fucking see her eye eye to eye. You asshole.
1: <laughs> Get down there. <laughs> uh, why would Carcat need to ospitis between Rose and Kanaya?
0: Yeah, that's hmm, hmm.
1: That's a thing. That's a thing. Cause Rose won't stop drinking. It looks like there's less
0: Teresi on this page and way more Carcat. so should I take over Carcat?
1: Yeah, there's way more Dave, too. Yep. At
0: last, we are free from the cursing treatment of ass enslavement.
1: Where did you even get that chair?
0: You steal from the common area? Unlike everyone else here, I happen to make a practice of cataloging items which might be convenient on a day-to-day basis. Say I'm strolling around and find myself in the a place to sit. Bam! Suddenly got a chair. And no, I didn't steal it. How could I steal something from the common area? Nobody actually owns any of that fucking furniture. That's why it's called the common area, you accusatory
1: piece of filth. Sounds like communism. You a communist or something? Actually, that makes perfect sense with your sickle and all. What are you talking about? Wait, John has a hammer. Oh shit, it's all adding up. When we arrive, you are going to team up with John and seize the means of production.
0: You appear to be jumpstarting a facetious discussion about some sort of human economic ideological framework without having the slightest clue that your vehicle is parked squarely and that nobody gives a fuck zone.
1: I'm just saying, first chairs, what next? See, I'm all about private property and pocketing dough. You have any idea how rich I am? I'm a man of means, motherfucker. What is your point? Just don't come after my boonies, dude. Or should I say, car cap marks? You aren't being serious now. There are not the words of a serious person. I'm
0: having a serious discussion, like a big-time adult, with my good friend Theresi. Your callous and nonsensical remarks are derailing us with the delicate subject at hand. Why don't you be youthful and say something reassuring to our sad mutual buddy, you whirling jet engine
1: of infantile st- stiloqu- stiloquence? I don't have much to say about this. Kind of got to recuse myself on the matter. I'm all kinds of on records being squicked out by the idea of hate relationships. So I've got no point of reference for gauging when one is fucked up the way that's normal for trolls. Or if it's fucked up because it's actually fucked up and terrible. Like, this is like some alien ex-boyfriend prime directive shit. I can't intervene because I don't know what I'm talking about. But you do, so I guess keep going. You were saying some pretty good stuff before I started writing your jock about chairs. Freddy, uh, do you see? Do you see what
0: I have to deal with? Actually, I guess I can. Uh, You can now literally see what I have to deal with and experience all due empathy for the fact that I have a douche as a best friend. Yes, I can see. The view from here is douche-tacular. Thank you. So that's it, and no advice at all, smart aleck. Why did I even bring you up here for this
1: intermission, then? Intermission? Intervention. I mean, sorry, I misspoke. It's not an intervention, either. My ghostly head's all beaming out of this crap for moral support, yo. I'm in my homie's corner, even if he is a massive socialist. Terezi, I think I could probably figure this one out. She grew up alone and blind in a forest. I think she will manage to bounce out of her juggalo phase. But yeah, Therese, you should at least quit the fucking soda.
0: Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah, I'll stop. Wait, just like that? Sure. It's really gross. God. (laughs)
2: Seize the means of
0: reduction. (laughs) (laughs) I do love that because it does seem like like Dave is actually like realizing, like, oh shit.
1: <laughs> you are a fucking communist. And like, oh
0: shit, he got the sickle. Oh shit, John's got the hammer. Oh fuck.
1: God. <laughs>
0: Karkat
2: marks.
1: Yep. <laughs> so good. Uh, Karkat's doing the. <laughs> it- <laughs> Fist to hand.
0: Yeah. I think uh, I- Do you want me
1: to take Karkat back now? Uh, sure, if you don't mind. Yeah, I can take it. Uh, but I think when
0: I talked about how I do the character voices, I mentioned that Carcat, you know, slams his, like, fist into his hand while explaining things. Right,
1: so he's doing the thing now. And this is what I, exactly what I was thinking of. Great. I think we're missing the point here. This isn't just an unhealthy obsession with a foul soft drink. It's about how you feel about yourself. You are barely functional right now. Can't even pick yourself off the floor and put on a pair of pants. Remember pants, you Used to love pants.
0: Yeah, pants are pretty great.
1: You used to, you used to be a lot of things, and all those were good things. Now that we're about to arrive, right when we need you the most, you do a sensational belly flop into a circus vat of your own tangy slobber. Oh, please! What could you possibly need me for? You're an important member of this party. We'll need you to stand back up to Jack and whatever else is waiting for us there. I don't think I'll be very useful. Well, not like this you won't. You gotta get your act together.
0: No, I mean, even then I won't be. I don't have much to offer, even on my best day.
1: What about your mind powers, though? What if we need somebody with mind powers? Do some sort of mindy thing. What mind powers? Ah, you know. The ones where you flip a coin and something crazy happens. Okay, I don't know, actually, know how it works, but what about that?
2: <sighs>
0: I never developed those powers very well, and it's been a long time since I thought about them. I don't think they're very valuable, honestly. In fact, all the they ever seemed to do was trick me into feeling like I knew what I was doing, I made me believe I was in control of other people's pat- fates, not even to speak my- of my own, and it was a really dangerous kind of illusion. And now it feels like the only heroic thing I ever did was powers. That was used them to justify killing my friend. Huh? Ugh. Oh, right. And what's worse is, to this day I'm still not even totally sure if it was necessary. I think I've lost the ability to tell if I'm being punished for what I
1: did or if I'm punishing myself. Well, yeah, of course it was necessary. Even if it wasn't the morally right choice or whatever, it was obviously something that had to happen. That's the cruel thing about paradox space, it systematically validates all your mistakes and necessary outcomes. Not even necessary for your own good or personal growth, it's always bigger than you, like your errors and judgement are inseparable from the way this reality has to unfold, so it never lets you forget about them, because they were all critical to the big picture, and all your past flaws are like scars. Scars in space-time that will never heal and always serve to remind you that the perfect version of yourself you wish you could be can never exist, because the survival of everyone you care about depends on him not existing.
0: I know all that. It
1: doesn't stop me from wondering. It's simple. If you hadn't killed her, you would have withered away in a doomed timeline.
0: Yeah, and sometimes I wish I had. At this point, I think I'd rather be the person who made the right decision, if it meant being the one to fade away forever. Well
1: I wouldn't want that. Does that fucking matter to you? Does that factor anywhere into your dreary existential equation?
0: You probably think I'm crazy, just as crazy as you think I am for dating Gamzee, but... I really miss her. No. I don't
1: think you're crazy for that.
0: And yet, if I ever saw her again, there's no way I could talk to her. So part of me hopes I never- OW! Oh, ow? Next. Also, man, Karkat's a
1: good friend. He's a good friend. <laughs> oh, that's that? oh, God, the crab is grabbing onto Terezi's big toe. Yeah, Dave, you dick. What? Don't blame me. I can't control the crab. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God.